is here. Come on, the Lord is here. As Hambone say, if that don't light your fire, your wood is wet. Mm. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, I got lost there for a minute. I was like, Wesley, y'all finished? All right, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 133. We're going to go ahead and jump on this sermon. I'm excited about the word of the Lord that he has given to me for you. <coughs> and uh, how he's tied some things together for me. And uh, really, it's crazy how the Lord just weaves and, and intertwines and shows you things. And that's what I think I was talking to Dan the other day. I love systematic theology. You can go and you can look at a doctrine here and a doctrine there and a doctrine here and a doctrine there, and you can get support from it from the Bible. And we really need those things because we can build a um, we can build a, a house, we can build a framework in which to operate a lot of the times, and that's that's really good and it's it's really needed. But um, I think I'm starting to appreciate even a little bit more, at least just as much as this biblical theology, where the Lord takes these truths and he intertwines them or he shows you at least how they're intertwined throughout the scriptures. And you can look and you can follow a thread and it'll show you and point out things about Christ, about the church, about the world, about sin, about all these different things. And goodness gracious, I'll tell you what. I was telling Patrick this morning, the word of God. I thought I knew the word fairly well, you know, but the word of God just, it just it's been blowing my mind lately. Like It's like, you are weak and simple and pathetic. <laughs> you know, you come to me and I will, I will show you. And so I've been going to the word of the Lord and it's been just opening up and the Lord's like, he'll flame up over here and he'll flame up over here and he'll show me how things are tied together. And just, I'm a really stupid person, so I know it's from the Lord. You know, he's showing me these things. I'm like, praise God. Well, you know, I think <clears throat> for those of you who've been here from the beginning, I've always, always said that my vision for this church uh, that the Lord placed in my heart is that we would be world changers. I really do believe that. I, I don't know about you. You know, I've went to church for a while, and, and I loved my old church, but I've seen churches doing this, and you kind of get into this rut and routine of, of going to church on Sundays, and some people go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and you got all this kind of stuff that you're doing, 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 but it's not really making a difference. You're just kind of going through some motions and doing the things, and you go home, and you come back, you go home, you come back. Well, what my vision was from the very beginning is that you would be affected by Jesus Christ. You would be infected by Jesus Christ, and that infection would have results, and you would not be able to help but to become uh, this creature, this creature that is infected with the Lord to such a degree that it oozes out of you. And, no, you, you know, this is what I say is that when you're infected or affected by Jesus Christ in such a way that the Holy Spirit indwells you, you can't, you don't have to teach that person to do evangelism. You don't have to teach them the Romans road. You don't have to teach them 12 steps to, to leading somebody to the Lord. You know why? Because they can't help it. It's like a fire in their bones. They're weary of holding it in and everywhere they go, they're vomiting out the word of God because it's just like, I can't hold it in. You know, you ever eat too much and it was really good when you were eating it, but it was like, oh, I ate too much. I got to empty a little out. You know, that's kind of gross, but when you get filled up so full that it runs out your ears, you know, that that's, that's true evangelism, you know, because I cannot even know the Lord and know the Bible fairly well and go and, you know, kind of say a bunch of stuff. But at the end of the day, where's your spirit? Where's your heart? And so, oh, <clears throat> the Lord kind of showed me uh, a, 
a further or a more specified or molded the vision of the church even a little bit more here in the past few weeks. And those of you who are really close to me and we meet together and pray together, you have seen it happen. And um, it's not nothing that I fabricated right up out of the Bible. It's just been the Lord just saying, here's a hint, here's a hint, here's a hint, here's a hint. Let me show, throw you a, a seed over here. I'll plant a seed over here. And, and you guys, you know, a lot of you have watched it just grow up. And uh, the sermons have been coming right out of that. And so today is no different. I want to show you what the Lord has been showing me. And today's message is entitled Fanning the Flames of Revival. And I really do believe in, the, in my heart of hearts that we are already in a revival. It's already begun. The question is, will we fan the flames and how far, how far will this fire go? How, how, how high will the flames get? And it'll, 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 I think it'll be, uh, it'll, it'll depend on how, how humble you are and how unified we are. How humble you are and how unified we are. Now, the Lord's the Lord. He's going to do whatever he wants to do. But I believe he's wanting to use you. And again, remember, I'll say it again as I said last week. This message is not for the person sitting beside you. It's not for the person sitting in front or behind you. It is for you. And I am asking you, where are you with the Lord? And I am asking you, what is your thought process on what he's calling you to do? And how much of a part will you play in the fanning of the flames of revival? On that note, let's pray. Jesus, I love you so much. And, and I stand in awe. Oh, my goodness. I stand in awe of, of what has happened here this morning. When I... When I see men on their face crying out to God in such a way that other people are looking, but they don't, they don't care. The Lord is moving. When I see men praying for one another, when I see women running to one another's aid, when I see the people of God coming together in praise and worship, when I see the Lord moving in this place in such a way that it's absolutely obvious I am absolutely blown away. I'm so thankful for your word. I'm so thankful for worship. I'm so thankful for oneness. God, thank you so much for being here with us this morning. I thank you so much for your overwhelming spirit that has freed us from sin, that has conquered death, <laughs> conquered hell, conquered the grave. And I pray, God, this morning we would turn our eyes towards you so that we would see your glory and that we would be connected by it. Help us, Lord, as we open up the word of God. May it not return void, and may it be clearly and boldly proclaimed by your servant. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to move through several different scriptures, and <clears throat> I won't spend a lot of time on the first part of it because I want to show you the end part of it. And our kind of encapsulating verse that the Lord had shown me, and this, this verse has really just been popping up like a flashing light time and time and time and time again. And it's funny how the Lord connects it that way and how he, how he pulls different ideas together and how he pulls different people together through this same idea. Psalm 133 is a really short psalm. Uh, if I were you, I'd memorize it. Psalm 133 reads, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the, on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. 
Oh, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Now, those of you who were here through the the teaching on the tabernacle, uh, you'll remember Aaron, the high priest, and you'll remember a lot of what we talked about, the the spirit, uh, the oil that uh, was used to fill the lampstand, the the oil that was used to anoint the high priest and to anoint those things that were uh, consecrated or set apart from the Lord. But this morning, and that should bring back some memories, and we're going to If the Lord leads that way, and if we get to it, we're going to talk a little bit about the tabernacle uh, just for a minute. But this morning, I want to talk to you about humility and unity. Now, I understand that this teaching is a little bit deeper than just, you know, come to Jesus, give him your life, and he'll save you. Um, If you're in here and you don't know Jesus Christ, then you need Christ so that you can be set free from your sin and even have the possibility to uh, work and live as you were created to do so. Other than that, you're just a slave to sin. There is no hope for you outside of the blood of Jesus Christ that washes washes away all sin. But for those of you who have come to know Jesus Christ, we have to move on to... uh, to more mature teachings, and and <clears throat> what I want to show you today is something that the Lord has really been been doing this work inside of me that is actually challenging some of the ideas that I had about about how Jesus worked within the church and about how the churches uh, work with within the construct of denominations. Okay, because we've had to, th- I've had to think about these things lately because the Lord has been telling me, and he's told me from the beginning, but there's a more of an emphasis here lately, uh, and it's very obvious if you've been paying attention, there's more of an emphasis here lately that we are to be a church that bridges the gap between denominations, that bridges the gap between socioeconomic borders, between racial borders, between uh, age borders, all these different things that divide people and keep them divided so that they can't come together and work together and move together so that the kingdom is divided and you know from the scriptures that a house divided against itself cannot it's going to tear it down so satan's biggest task since he cannot take away your salvation is to cut you off from the body of believers and everybody you know you hear all the time people saying well i don't have to come to church to be a christian is that is that true maybe in so many words yes but the but the problem with that is that can you be a Christian and, and blatantly disobey the scriptures? You see, it's not a matter of can you be a Christian and not go to church. The, the point is, is that if you're a Christian, you're filled up full of the Holy Spirit, you're going to, I can't not go. I got to be with the people of God. I got to fellowship. I got to pray. I got to be built up. I got to link arms. I got to be held accountable. I cannot do this thing alone. Jesus Christ died so that you wouldn't. He died alone so that you would not live alone. Amen. So this, this idea of, <clears throat> and, and I knew that, you know, we always joked. And I want to show you how the Lord is just crazy. He's, he's crazy good and, 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 and sovereign over everything and how he winds everything together. Because we said from the very beginning, we jokingly said that we were Baptocostalists. Right? We are. We're kind of a mixture between Baptists, Pentecostals, and Methodists. You say, how do you figure? Because our doctrine almost perfectly lines up with Baptists. Okay? But we get to rolling in here sometimes like Pentecostals. Right? And we believe in the gifts and we believe in the Holy Spirit and we love it when he moves. Right? Woo! Hallelujah. Right? But at the same time, we want to get out in the community and, and be methodical. That's what I'm talking about. See? 
be methodical about how we do missions. And Methodists are very methodical and pragmatic about getting out and doing and doing and doing. It's great. It's great. It's great. See, all of these different denominations, and this has a point, all of these different denominations have strengths. They've got some weaknesses. I don't agree with everything the Methodists hold to. I don't believe everything that some of the Pentecostal churches hold to. I don't believe everything that some of the Baptist churches hold to. But at the end, but when it's all said and done, <laughs> when it's all said and done, <laughs> yeah, inside joke. But when it's all said and done, we all have different strengths. And we all have different weaknesses. Now, it's just, and it's crazy because the Lord's like, you stupid. And I'm like, I know, Lord. He's like, let me give you wisdom. But if he pours out too much on you, then it crushes you because you can't handle it. You're like, overload, right? So he gives me a little spoon feeds me, you know, and then I can start chewing on the steak and I can eat the steak. Well, it's crazy because when God does something perfectly and he doesn't do anything other than perfectly, so when God does something, it's true on all levels. It's true on all levels. It's true for the earth. It's true for a family. It's true for individuals. It's true for friendships. It's true for the church body. It's true for the kingdom. And so what he's saying is, is that I have given each one of you different gifts, talents, and abilities, and you all have different weaknesses, personalities. And what I have done is I have done it this way so that when you come together, you are one. So you think about a husband and his wife. You say the two, the two shall no longer be one. I mean two, but they shall come together and they shall be one flesh. And what God has joined together, let no man tear apart. And so you see a man is, is, is not, he's just half a person. He's just, he's, he's not complete. He's, he's missing something, right? He's missing, it's not good that man should, should be alone. He's missing something. So the Lord says, I've created a woman. And when you two come together, now you're complete. Now you're whole. Now you're one. So our differences, they offset and our strengths offset and we become one and we work together and we get more stuff done. Okay? Now, <clears throat> what I want to show you through the scriptures, if you want to turn with me to John chapter 17, I want to take this idea and show you what the Lord has been showing me on a, on a local church body denominational level. And what I feel like he's calling us to do, and it'll take you being willing to do so, and it'll take me being willing to do so. But I believe if we will listen and obey the voice of the Lord, that we will see an unleashing of revival and an unleashing of the Holy Spirit in the presence of the Lord like we've never seen before. But it'll mean sacrifice for me and for you, and it'll mean humility, and it'll mean that we don't have to be in the, in the driver's seat all the time. It'll mean that we don't, we don't have to get any of the glory. We don't have to be right all the time. It doesn't have to be our way all the time, but we've just got to say yes Lord we've just got to say yes Lord so we've got to ask ourselves a question <clears throat> what is more important what is more important the way we do things or the glory of God and the kingdom of God okay all right so let's get into the scriptures we want to <clears throat> our main text will be John chapter 17 verses 15 through 23 and we're going to kind of go through and break this down a little bit and we're going to see what the Lord has for us Starting in verse 15, I do not ask that you take, now this is, let me, let me give you a little bit of context because it's going to be important. So we talked about Aaron being the high priest and he went uh, on behalf of the people and, and there's this whole backstory to the 12 tribes of Israel and the high, and the high priest and, the, and the, the ceremonies. Well, 
when he went in to pray before the Lord, uh, he wore an effort. He wore this, this uh, jacket, so to speak. It was like a vest. And uh, it, he had um, two stones uh, that were placed right over his heart. And on those two stones were the, the, the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so you had Reuben and Simeon and Naphtali and all these, all these uh, the tribes, the 12 tribes. And they were engraved on stone, okay? And they were right on the heart. So they went in before the Lord and he prayed for the people of God. He took them uh, over his heart, which signified that they were on his heart, that he loved them, and he took them before the Lord, and he prayed over them, and he interceded for them, and they came before the Lord as one on the high priest, okay? So in the high priest, all the 12 tribes came together, and he interceded for them, and he prayed for them, okay? <clears throat> uh, John chapter 17 has been referred to, uh, referred to uh, for ages as the high priestly prayer of Christ. And so um, if you go back and you look at the book of Hebrews, we don't have time to go through all this, but we kind of touched on this as we went through the tabernacle. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the high priestly role. Jesus Christ is the final high priest. That's why we need, and I'm not, if you're from a Catholic background, I'm sorry, but we don't need priests anymore. Uh, it says, you know, call no man father. We don't need an intercessor. We don't need a mediator because Jesus Christ is our mediator. He laid down his life once for all. He is the final high priest that goes before the Father, and he takes our prayers to the Father. He rose from the dead, so this means this high priest lives forever. There is no more sacrifice. There is no more priest. There is nothing that needs to be done. Jesus Christ is it. That's why he is the way, the truth, and the life, the only way, the truth, and the life, Okay. So we won't beat that drum anymore, but what we know is, is that Jesus Christ is the final and last and eternal high priest that goes before the Father. This is why we can continually come before the Father, because we are one with him. <clears throat> but let's read now with that in mind. He is praying for these believers, and he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Don't take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. How should they all be one? Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. So that, here's two huge words, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Make them one just as we are one so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that or so that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one. So that, again, he says it again, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them uh, even as you loved me. So much wrapped up <clears throat> in these verses. Well, <clears throat> I want to show you something really quick, and I want to move on because I just never have enough time on Sunday mornings. And I didn't, I, I knew that uh, it was probably so, but I officially learned that I am that guy that goes long. <laughs> Which is okay. I told my wife I wouldn't say anymore that you can just leave because that was rude. 
And I really don't want you to leave. I want you to stay. But I will just say, I can't stop. So, I am. I is. Okay, so, I want you to see a couple of things, and then we're going to talk about how, how to get her done. Okay? All right. So we read in chapter 15, I mean, uh, in chapter 17, verse 15, it says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. So we've got the world here, okay? Now, I'm not an artist. Hey. I don't even know what that is. But this is the world, all right? <clears throat> now, there's so much wrapped up in here. Let's ask the Lord to lead me and guide me through because I don't really have any notes. I got a few over there, but we're just going to go with it. So in verse 15, he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the, e from the evil one. So we have here uh, these guys that are in the world. Now, these are believers, and they're all over the world at this point, uh, spread out, you know, different places, and they've, they'll reach farther, but they're kind of all over the world, and there's people believing, and the faith will explode. It's, it's, mainly, uh, with, it's mainly held right now uh, in, in the Middle East at this time in the Scriptures, but they will be all over the world, and he says that in here. He says, not these only, but for those who will believe in their words. So I tell you that this prayer is not just for those that would be in the Middle East and in Jerusalem and in that area, uh, Ephesus and all that, but it would. this applies to everyone across the globe. Every believer in Jesus Christ this applies to because he said everyone that would believe. Now, what he's asking for them, he says, I don't ask you to take them out of the world. <clears throat> Had a conversation uh, just, when I say recent, I mean recent, of, of you know, somebody who said, it just seems like it'd be better if we wasn't here. So I stay here. You know, Paul said, better uh, would it be that I depart and be with you. So I'm kind of going back and forth because these people still need me here. He's like, man, I just want to be with you, Jesus. And this place is jacked up. You know, things happen here all the time. I can't seem to ever find peace. And we have loss and we have pain and we have struggle and tears. But Paul says, nevertheless, I'm going to stay here because you need me. And so we've got, we've got a job to do. Now let's go ahead and read because it, it absolutely touches on that. It says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but you, that you keep them from the evil one so leave them in the world but that you would guard them I pray that you would guard them and that you would keep them from the evil one so that the word of God would be, uh, uh, it would be a sword that they would, uh, could do battle with, the shield of faith, the helmet of, of salvation, all these things, the breastplate of righteousness, that you could go to war and by the word of God that you would be safe and secure because the word never returns void and God is good at his promise and even when you lose your life here on earth, you've not lost anything because God has said that you would be raised from the dead just as he was raised from the dead you see that's how we know we can trust Jesus because he has been raised from the dead who else can say I'll help you defeat death if they've never defeated death right so Jesus can do that so he says I don't ask that you take them out of the world but I'm asking that you would keep them from the easy one uh, the evil one and that you would protect them so to speak they are not of the world just as I am not of the world now this 
<clears throat> now this is pretty deep right here, but when he says they are not of the world just as I'm not of the world, what he means is that they are not, this of word, that, that word of has got a big significant meaning right here because when he says they are not of the world, what he means is, is that they, they do not find their source within the world. They do not originate within the world. You remember as we were talking about the Corinthians passage in, in chapter 10 where Paul says that our weapons are not of this world. We don't wage war like the world wages war because our, our weapons are not of the flesh, but they are divine in nature, able to destroy strongholds. You remember that? What Paul is saying is, is that we do not find our source of power. We do not find uh, our, our grit and our determination. We do not find our life in this world. You are but strangers in this world. You do not come from here. You were not born here. You do not get your sustenance from here. You do not get your joy from here. You do not get your uh-huh from here. You do not get the thing that keeps you going. You cannot find it here. That's why if you continue to look here, you will waste away till the day that you die and you will never be fulfilled and you will never be happy because you were not made from here. You were created by God for a divine purpose. And so he prays, protect them because they are not from here. Since they are not from here, they will be attacked by people and by spirits and by angels and all these principalities that are from here. The lusts of the flesh and all of these temptations are going to be attacked. So give them supernatural strength from somewhere else that they could be protected. You got to have it. We move on. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. Now that word sanctify is actually the same word that he uses in a minute to say consecrate. <clears throat> the root of that is this agiazzo. Okay. Now this, the reason I say that is, is that that word means holy. Holy. To be holy, you are being holy. To be set apart as holy, as the Lord is holy, you are to be holy. He says, sanctify them in the truth, meaning separate them out of this world. You see all of this falls in line. He says, protect them in the world because they're not of the world. Sanctify them, set them apart. Set them apart as they're in the world because they're not of the world. I want you to make them different. I want you to give them something inside of them that when other people look, they know this, there's something about this guy. There's something about this girl. They're not like me. They're not like the people that I've come in contact with. They don't have the same aura about them. They don't have the same, they don't have the same falling down nature. They don't have the same defeatedness. They don't have the same source. They're separated. They've been set apart for the glory of God. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Now, you catch that? So you are sent. You say, I'm just trying to live and get by, brother. I'm just trying to live out my days. You know, you move up in the woods into a cabin with a big yard, homeschool your kids, put a doily on your head and say, may the Lord Jesus return quickly. Separate yourself out of the world so that you don't ever have to worry about it again. You don't want to be, you don't want to get that filth on you. You don't want to be compromised by that sin. You don't want to go into the world because it's a risky world. We got to separate ourselves out of the world. Oh no. Oh no. <clears throat> 
I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Jesus can do anything he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. And Jesus Christ says, I am not asking you to take them out of the world. Thank you. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but that you would strengthen them, that you would give them this, this supernatural strength like you have given me, that you would sanctify them, that you would separate them out, that you would make them a distinct people, and we are sending them into the world. Not only is he not taking you out of the world, but he is sending you into the world. I hear all kind of people talk about separating themselves. Now, we're going to have a whole sermon one day on, on separatism which is a whole thing. And it actually has some cloud. It has some reasons why we should separate ourselves from the world in one sense. Because we're not of the world. But we are not to subtract ourselves from their presence. We are not to disassociate from those who don't believe like us. But we are to be changed. We are to be of another source. We are to be kingdom-minded and consecrated, set apart for the Lord, but sent into enemy territory so that we can then convert them. I want to tell you right now, in this politically correct age and culture, the art of evangelism and conversion has been almost completely lost. Because everybody's afraid that they'll offend someone. Let me tell you something right now. It is your duty and your obligation and your responsibility to see to the conversion of souls by the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, you can't make that change happen. Understand that. But God can make it happen as you open your mouth. And proclaim the gospel of God. You see so many times we say. Well they don't believe like I believe. And I wouldn't want to offend them. Well you just offended God. It says very clearly that we are sent. He says. <clears throat> he says. As you sent me into the world. So I have sent them into the world. As you have sent me. As you have sent me. So just like Jesus Christ was sent. You have been sent. Now why was Jesus Christ sent? To sacrifice himself for the kingdom of God that many would believe. You are called to go into the world, <clears throat> to lay down your life, to give your life away for the express purposes of glorifying God through the redemption of his people. You've got to go out into the world. You've got to open your mouth. You've got to invite people. You've got to talk to people. You've got to tell them where they're sinning. You've got to develop a relationship. I know that. I'm not telling you to go out and street preach, which if that's what God calls you to do, whatever. I'm not saying it's good or bad or indifferent. I'm just telling you, however the Lord is calling you to go out and share the gospel of Christ, do it. You've got, and then you say, well, I don't, I've never heard the Lord tell me to go. You just did. Amen. I'm not the Lord, but this is the word of God. <laughs> You've got no excuse. Raise your hand if you hear me. Those of you that didn't raise your hand, oh, I'm over here. <laughs> You're sent, you're sent, you're sent. Okay, now I think most of us understand that. So I'm not going to spend a bunch of time there. <clears throat> so we go on and we say, and for their sake I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in the truth. Now, Jesus Christ is the truth, so he consecrated his own self. He set himself apart by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he was one with God. Therefore, though he struggled with sin, he did not sin, so he was set apart. And through his 
uh, being set apart in the crucifixion, we are now able to be sanctified by the truth and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's salvation 101. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He took your sins of the cross. That's why he got murdered. His blood flowed down, ran onto you, washed away all your sins, and now you get to, perform, you get to appear before God uh, free uh, because Jesus Christ appeared before God condemned. So, that's salvation. Uh, I pray to God that you do know Christ. If you don't, please see us afterwards. We will pray over you and, and you can receive Jesus Christ. Now, once you are set apart, once you have been saved, you are sent. We've established that already. He consecrated himself so that you might be consecrated or sanctified in the truth. And listen to what he says next. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So we've already established that this is not just for uh, these, uh, uh, these first century believers. This is not just for uh, this time period of the, of the first generation of, of those who would believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord and the Savior and the Messiah. But this is uh, for all believers of all times. And so this applies to you. None of us can escape this. This applies to you. You've been called you've been sent, you've been set apart, and the Lord Jesus Christ is wanting to do a work through you. Now, let's continue on. I do not ask <clears throat> for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through uh, their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent them. Okay, now here's where we want to spend most of our time. Because what he is saying is, is that Together, we're better. Together, we're better. And the people of God uh, have, for generations, been separated. They've been dispersed. They've been uh, divided. And uh, they, they have struggled with division uh, since the beginning of time. Since the beginning of time, they have struggled with division. And every time that the people of God are unified, there's progress, there's progress, there's fruit, and there's expansion. But every time that they are divided and they come against one another, there's fall, there's sin, and there's chaos and calamity. You don't believe me? From the very beginning, it has been that way. So we see Adam and Eve <clears throat> in the Garden of Eden. God says, uh, you are to be, he, Adam breaks out in song. He's like, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He's like, what's up, girl? Let me sing you a song. Because I'm digging you and we won. Right? And everything's good. It says they were both naked and unashamed. Right? Yeah, all the men should have said, amen, brother. What's wrong with y'all? Preach. <laughs> and it said they were both naked and unashamed. So here they are. They're one. They, they're seeing God. They're loving God. They're walking with God. They're talking with God. Everything's good. And then what happens? The snake comes in. Satan comes in and he whispers to the woman and he, and he puts a wedge in between them. And he said, did God really say? And where was Adam? We don't see Adam anywhere. See, he got in between them, and he brought this word that divided, and he took them apart. And Adam wasn't there for his wife. The two wasn't one at that moment, and he wasn't there for his wife to be courageous and to answer Satan with a word from the Lord, just like Jesus did when he was tempted in the wilderness when uh, Satan was attacking him. See, if Adam would have only done what Jesus would have done, then we wouldn't be in this mess. But they were divided, and now comes the downfall of all creation. 
We move on to see Cain and Abel. They turned on one another. Cain turned on Abel, and we see the, uh, the fall just expand. We see uh, people in the days of Noah were only evil all the time, and they fell. But then we see uh, them starting to come back together. But even before that, uh, Jacob and Esau were divided, and they're running all over the place, and it's just crazy, chaotic, just, just, a, just a big, huge mess. They're not united. Well, then Jacob has his, has his sons, and, and, and they're, they're, they're fighting each other. They're, they're warring against each other. Uh, it, it's just it's, it's, it's calamity after calamity after calamity after calamity when the people are not unified. Then under King David, uh, the, the, the kingdom is reunited. Everyone comes together, and it's one of the most prosperous times in all of Scripture. And we see kingdoms being conquered and the, and, and the, the land being uh, taken over and, and all of this prosperity and all of this wonder. And then comes division. And it all falls apart again. And we see under Solomon even the, the kingdom still united. But we see division in that because he let all these crazy women come into his lives. And they're, they're it's always a woman. What is up with that, right? It's all, huh? <laughs> Easy. Well, let's say this. It's always a woman dealing with a stupid man. How about that? Huh? That was too many amens, guys. We're getting whooped up on it. Easy. easy. So we see that this division, it brings chaos, and we see the destruction of the temple, and, and we, we continue to see this on down through uh, the New Testament and, and the, the disciples being one, and as they are one in Jesus Christ, the explosion of the church. Okay? So... It says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Okay, now, this is what the Lord has kind of been showing me through all of this. Now, we are sent into the world, okay? But we are not sent to be alone. We are not sent to be alone, but we are sent to be one. And he says that we are to be one, how? How are we to be one? It says that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. So how are we to be one? We are to be one just like The Godhead is. We are to be one just like God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are to be one just as they are one. We are are to have one Lord, one baptism, one spirit. There is to be this effort, this, this drawing together of us so that we move forward as one people. Now, we know that there are distance in between us wherever we are. Now, this goes between me and you. And this church and the next church and this state and the next state, there's all these divisions, but we are to be one in the Lord Jesus Christ. So although we are separated out, there is this meeting point that we are to be one. One. Just like God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they all are distinct from one another in some way. We see it in the Scriptures plainly. But that they are all God and that they are all one. There's only one God. There's only one God. So as you and I work together, as we live together, we are one. Now, I have one personality and you have another personality. But together, we are one. We must let our differences not outweigh that which brings us together. 
So what is that? <clears throat> we see that they may all be one, just as uh, you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. So the connection point is Jesus Christ himself. So we are all different, but we are all, we all find our place in him. You see, we are one as he is, as he is one. And just as the Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father, we are in them as well. So while I'm standing here and Wesley's standing there and Gary's standing there, we are united and stand together in Jesus Christ. Now, what happens is, is that just like the, the 12 tribes of Israel find problems with one another and they find differences and one of them doesn't like the other one and somebody's doing something that they shouldn't be doing and you know Joseph was an anointed son of Jacob but he was kind of stupid and when he came to his brothers and he said I had a dream I had a dream and all of y'all gonna bow down to me what happened one of them was like hey dude let's kill him this is her brother. It's like, this guy's stupid. You think I'm bowing down to you? Oh, there's that pride. There's that pride. You think I would work with your denomination? You baptize babies. I think it's unbiblical to baptize babies if you think it saves them or makes them a part of the church. But I'm not going to sever our relationship because we disagree on that point. Because you believe Jesus Christ is God. And we find our unity in him. So we agree to disagree on that point, but we move on for the kingdom of the Lord. So they're looking at Joseph and they're thinking, me bow down to you? Are you serious? Are you, are you kidding me right now? There's no way that I would bow down to you. As a matter of fact, you're about to die because uh, I would never bow down to you. He, was, he, he wasn't the youngest, but he was next to the youngest. And so instead of killing him, Reuben says, all right, well, hold on. Let's don't kill him because we can profit a little bit from this. So I'll tell you what. Let's, uh, let's sell him off. Let's sell him off into slavery. And then we'll take his coat back to our father and we'll say he got killed by a lion. And so they sold him off into slavery where he, was, he, he went into Egypt and he actually found favor in the eyes of the Lord and uh, he, he prospered, but they sold him off into slavery and there was division. You know what happened out of that? Famine, which nearly destroyed Jacob's sons. They had to rush back to Egypt and they did bow down before Joseph. You may have to bow down before Somebody, you may have to lay down your life. You may have to sacrifice. You may have to soak up all of your pride. How many people come to you and they just slam your church and you get so furious? Consider it all joy, my brothers, when we encounter various trials and tribulations. For it is by these that we see the perseverance. It's going to take humility and unity. And so we see Joseph being sold off. We see all this diversity. But he says, we've got to be one. This chaos comes. It says that they may all be one just as you, Father, in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
so that they may believe, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So he has sent us, but he didn't send us to be alone. He sent us to be one. But we are going to have to lay down everything in order to be one so that the world might believe. If we want the kingdom to expand, if we really want revival, if we really want God to use us, then we can't demand to be number one. We cannot demand to be number one. We can't demand that our way is the only way. We can't demand that our church is the best church. We can't demand that we host everything. We can't demand that we be in the lead. We can't demand that they, that they submit to us. We have to be submissive. We have to be like Christ. We have to be the ones that lead the way to the unity of the church of God. We've got to be. We've got to be. Who in here would love to see revival? Not just in our church. We are experiencing revival here. Did you experience the Holy Spirit earlier? Are you seeing the, the God move right now? Are you seeing the word of the Lord go forth? Well, I'm telling you, wouldn't you love to see this in our community? Wouldn't you love to see this in the neighboring communities? Wouldn't you love to see it spill over into our state? I would too. It's going to take all of us being united in Christ. I want you to see this too <clears throat> because the, this is the last thing I'm going to say to you. And this is, this is what it's all about. So he says that they may all be one just as we are one so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So in order for the world to believe that he was sent and that he is the Christ, we must come together. We must come together. Now, how are we going to come together? How or what is going, because I'll tell you right now, there is fierce animosity between Baptists, and, in, a lot of, in a lot of places anyway, between Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians and Pentecostals and all of these different denominations. Some of them hate each other. Some of them are better. Some of them refuse refuse to do life together and the Lord called us here a long time ago to be a bridge to that gap so how do we do it how do we do it how are we used like the tribe of Issachar to bridge to bridge these two tribes three tribes four tribes how is it that we're used to bring all of these denominations together because this is our call well, let's read the Bible so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Listen to this verse. This is going to be key. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them so that they may be one, even as we are one. What is it, guys? Now, look, I, I'm, this has not been a great spectacular sermon. It's not been a very charismatic. We don't need that stuff. We need the word of God. Amen. Those of you who are sitting under this teaching and under the word of God, I am showing you exactly what it will be that will bridge all of these gaps and bring the, the, the men of God in this room and the women of God in this room together and will bring the churches together. And that one thing is the glory that you have given me. It is the glory of Jesus Christ that will bring all of us together because that 
that glory, that brightness, that light, that, that, that awesome presence of the Lord will so hypnotize us that we will forget about these petty differences and we will all in unison march together toward that light. See how that works? It is in Christ that we all come together. And as, and as, we, as we cast our eyes upon him, as we, as, we, as we behold his glory, the differences will fade away. We can talk and we can discuss, but it will not create divorce and, and division. We can come together and we can have serious talks, but we are still on the same team. And I'm telling you right now, guys, the word of God will not return void. We are sent, and until we become one, we will not see mass revival. We won't. We'll experience some cool things here. We've already been experiencing that, and I'm, and I'm thankful for that. And if that's what the Lord chooses to do, then I'll be good with that. But I'm telling you guys, he's got more in store. He's got more in store. And you say, well, pastor, I just go to church here. I don't, I don't, I don't make decisions on who we meet with and when we meet with them and who we join with. This is the applicable part to you. Number one, I want you to be praying. I want you to pray continually that the Lord will create relationships with other churches in our area. Strong relationships, not just that we would, you know, meet from time to time or that we would be okay with one another because when he says uh, that they may be one even as we are one, you see, God the Father doesn't just put up with the Son. He doesn't just deal with him, even though he's kind of, you know, he doesn't really like him. But I guess he'll be all right. No. Perfect love. Perfect harmony. Perfect prayer. Perfect relationship. Laying down their lives. Loving each other. See, that's how we've got to be. So number one, I want you to pray. I want you to pray like crazy. And number two is, I want you to I want you to love those people from other churches. We are attacked by them sometimes. And I want to tell you the truth. We attack them sometimes. We're attacked because we're different. We're attacked because we're a little louder or dress the way we do, whatever. They get attacked by us because the way they're dressed and because they're quiet. I want you to stop that. Please stop that. Pray for me that I can stop that and never do it again. I'm praying for you that when you see someone from another church that is beating you down and, and talking bad about you, that you say, you know what? I love you anyway. I want you to go out of your way to pray for him. I want you to go out of your way. You say, I can't stand that guy. One guy comes to mind right now that has really given me down the road. But you know what the Lord's like? That's your brother. Even though he's needed, that's your brother. I can be a real idiot sometimes too. Do you see how big this is? This is bigger than us. It really is. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? This is bigger than us, guys. We could be the part of a, of a revival that, that burns throughout our state. What if, what, if, what if God used you to be the first church that bridged two denominations? know that we really and literally are Baptocostals, right? You see what I'm saying? God meant for us to be this all the time. And it is only in Jesus Christ 
Will all of these different denominations start coming together? And listen, <clears throat> our Pentecostal brothers, we need them. We need our independent Baptist brother. We need our Ingleside Baptists. We need Oak Grove. We need First Baptist. I praise God for Mark Bishop. I do. I praise God for, for that service that I was at at First Baptist the other night. You know what? I'm going to be real transparent and honest right here for a second. Is that all right? I was a little bit jealous. I hate to admit that. I was a little jealous. You know, they had a praise and worship service at First Baptist last Monday night. And if I'm real honest, and I have to show you this because otherwise you'll think I'm perfect. Man, I got sins. That's my wife. But I walked in there and I thought, you know, we should have been hosting this. They should have asked me to speak. You know, I've been trying to do this forever. Nobody would listen. And now all of a sudden, and the Lord just jaw jacked me. And he's like, you fool. You, you just told on yourself. You still got some pride in there, boy. You still think it's about you. You still think it's about your church. You still think it's about what y'all doing. You don't think I can use somebody else? You think you're that good, huh? You think your church is all that in a bag of chips? Well, you know what? I had to repent that night. I had to repent. And I had to say, Lord, you're right. Without Mark Bishop, you don't understand this. And the Lord just blew my mind this week. I'm going to show you. Oh, you got to have my board back here. Can I have my board back? No, I wasn't going to do this, but the Lord, the Lord said you got to do this. And I know it's late, but I think it'll be worth it. I really don't know what time it is. We find true completion and perfection in Christ. Now, this is really, 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 really cool. Without and I don't know why the Lord pointed out Mark Bishop. I could say Tommy Turner, Lynn Stewart, or whoever else. But I think it's probably because I had that spirit of pride when I walked in there the other night. And I'll tell you what, man. I walked in that place and the spirit of the Lord was, the spirit of the Lord was there. Oh, it's good. I didn't know the spirit of the Lord could move in First Baptist Church. But he did. If you were there and he did, raise your hand. The Lord was in that place. The Lord was in that place. And the Lord told me, I don't need you. Oh. And you know, I said, praise the Lord. I don't, I don't have to have that pressure. It's not dependent on me. I said, oh, Lord, thank you. You know. Whew. This is what I learned. Is that I actually need Mark Bishop. I can't do it. We can't do it. We can't. We can't. Because we're just an arm. That's not an arm, but we're just we're just an arm or a foot or a leg. And you know, I know everybody uses uh, that passage of talking about the body of Christ has many members and, and they use that to talk about one church body. 
uh, with different members out there, and you might be a hand, you might be a foot, but it is this way with the church as well. You see, because First Baptist Church is going to reach people I, I just, we can't reach. We need them. We need them. You know, you sit in the audience saying, you know, you got to make your church, your church out to be great, but we need them. We need Tommy Turner and Bible Baptists. We need Victory Baptist. We need Oak Grove Baptist. We need the Methodist Church over here with Kevin. We need all those guys. We need Landrum Springs. We need for them to know we love them and we want to worship with them. We need new hope. We need all these people. And you say, why? And everybody said, oh my gosh. This is what the Lord showed me. <laughs> yeah, my wife just pointed that one out. This looks crazy, doesn't it? It won't take me but just a minute. This is, this is the 12 tribes of Israel. This is the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay? You got Reuben, Gad, Simeon, Benjamin. This is the tribe of Joseph, which was split up into two, his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Naphtali, Dan, Asher, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Levi. Now when these, this is the nation of Israel, all of them, and the, the presence of the Lord dwelt in the middle, in the tabernacle. And this is how they set up camp. This is where they were. They would set up camp just like this. <coughs> I've got the number beside their birth order. So Reuben was born first, then Simeon, and then Levi, Judah, and so on and so forth. Okay? Now the Lord just blew my mind with this the other night. Okay? The Lord told me, said, just like all the, there are 12 tribes of Israel, just like all the tribes are different tribes. This is the tribe of Asher. It's not the tribe of Dan. And just like Naphtali, it's not the tribe of Dan. It's the, it's its own tribe. I always thought denominations were this horrible thing engineered by Satan to divide the churches. And they do have their problems. But I'm starting to see now that what Satan meant for evil, God's going to use for good. And you see, all of these were different, but together and only together were they the nation of Israel and God's people. You hear me? It was when they came together as one that they were God's people, the nation of Israel. And not until they come together would they conquer and take the land and do what needed to be done under the supreme reign of King David, who is a foreshadowing of King Jesus. Okay? Now, I want to just point out a few things, and then I want to show you something that just... What I've written here <coughs> are the meanings of the name. Now, your name might not mean anything, but in... In this Hebrew culture, these names meant something. And so Reuben, his name meant to see a son. Simeon meant God has heard. Uh, Levi meant joining, joining together. And then Judah, who was fourth, meant to praise. And then Dan was, was next. He was born fifth. And his name means judged. Well, separated all out. These are all different people, different tribes with different meanings. 
and different personalities and different strengths. Everybody following me so far? The church right now is splintered into several different denominations. And they all highlight some areas. So Pentecostals, they really love and appreciate the Holy Spirit and the way he moves. Baptists really appreciate doctrine and systematic theology. Methodists, they're really priestly in their movements, most of them, and they just love people. And they want everybody to be a part. Presbyterians, they really love church government and organization. They're kingly. They're very kingly. And so they're splintered. And they are somewhat effective, each one of them, in reaching the people of God. But the moment that they come together as one church, as one people, as one true Israel, is when you will see the kingdom of heaven at its best. You will see more salvations. You will see more growth. You will see the presence of the Lord in such a way. Let me ask you this, men and women of God. What happens when you and I in this little place, when we come together and we pray and the Lord is here and his glory is there and we're all beholding his glory and we come together, what happens? People get saved. Right, brother? Because the glory, because the glory of the Lord is in that place. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Now, let me show you something. Levi, they didn't get any property. They were, uh, their inheritance was the Lord. That's all they got. Which was enough. They got the good deal. But all these guys got property, and they all were they all were camps of themselves, and they set up. So these three would have been under one banner, and these three would have been. So they were all set up just like this to defend the temple and to uh, enter into the temple and to have God in their midst, okay? And John, it says, Jesus Christ is the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Levi means joining, joining together. And you see how Levi, even... As this system unfolded and God laid all this out, Levi is the go-between between the people of God and the presence of God. So he joined them together. Hence, his name is Joining. You see this? Now I want to show you something. And we're going to end with this. Everybody stand to their feet. We find our true completion and perfection in Christ. As the people of God come together, Jesus Christ is truly beheld. It's all about Jesus. You see, there were 12 tribes, but only when they came together was it really about Jesus. <clears throat> now, I'm not going to write all this up here. And if you want a copy of this, I can give you one later. Check this out. These are the 12 tribes of Israel and what their names mean by the order of their birthright. Behold, I see a son whom God has heard. And because God has heard him, he has been, we have been joined together with the Lord to the glory of his praise because he was judged for my struggle. He could have called a troop to his rescue, but he didn't because he was happy. He considered it all joy. He was happy to endure the cross, despising its shame. And he was rewarded with a name above all names. He was rewarded with honor. 
because God shall add to him as the sand of the seashore a people more numerous than can be counted because he is the king, the son of my right hand. Together, they make Jesus. And only together do they make Jesus. Church, get on your face. Revival is around the corner. I don't know how to tell you any more plainly. I don't know how to plead any louder. I don't know how to ask you. Seek the Lord for the joining together of our denominations and our churches. Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Lay down what you think is right. Lay down having to be first. There are no heroes here, only Jesus Christ. There are no greatest church. There's only the church of God, Jesus Christ. I want to ask you, who here is struggling with pride and disunity? Me too, brother. Me too, brother. Who here would repent? Who here would would say from now on, I'm going to consider it all joy when I'm persecuted and when I encounter various trials? How many of you will agree with me to pray for these churches? Pray for First Baptist. Pray for Mark Bishop. Pray for Lynn Stewart. Pray for Tommy Turner. Pray for Rodney Ballinger. Pray for Stacy Glover. Pray for all of these guys. Caleb, pray for all of them. Any pastor that you know, send them Facebook messages. Tell them that you're praying for them. Encourage them. Lift them up. Because we cannot be divided. Because a house that is divided cannot stand. Let's come together, people of God. Let's give everything that we've got to the Lord. The altar is open. If you'd like to pray, if you'd like to repent, if you'd like to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and enter into this fight with us, the altar is open. Praise the Lord for his people.